It's been kind of a crazy week for the staff here at Popular Mechanics. Roy's got a new renter moving into his rental property and has been running around like crazy trying to get the place cleaned up. Kevin has a boatload of bolts stuck in his Jeep. And poor automotive editor Ezra Dyer is down in North Carolina, where he lives and where he rode out Hurricane Florence, filing stories from a Wi-Fi-enabled car before navigating around flooded roads to deliver supplies to some harder-hit areas. The good news is, there's a lot to be learned from what's going on in our staffers' real lives right now. And everyone was willing to call or stop by the podcast studio to give us their tips. Such as this one, from technology editor Alex George, who tries out a lot of headphones. If you're getting a lot of interference in the sound in your wireless headphones, try moving your phone to your side pocket. Keeping your phone in your back pocket puts your body between the sound source and the speakers. And it turns out the human body is a major source of electrical interference. As always, I'm your host, Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. So Roy was talking to me the other day and told me the craziest story about just inventing his own cleaner. And the reason you were telling me this story is because you had a tenant move out of your rental property. Is that right? Yeah, it was scary. This cleaner was so strong. I stuck my hand in the bucket and took my sleeve off. No, wait, no, seriously? <laughs> no, no. Oh, my gosh. I was like, God, I don't thought, tell people how to make it, man. Right? <laughs> he said that very with a straight radio face. <laughs> straight radio face. You can't see it, but. It's really straight. Straight and square. <laughs> They'll let Peter Martin here because you also have a rental property. Accidental landlords, Accident- Roy and Peter. Yeah, Accidental landlords. It, yeah, right. Just so that you know, I'm not like some sort of high rolling landlord investment. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with being a high roller, but, <laughs> you know. I don't think they'd agree. I don't think they're ready to argue with you. But, you know, I got caught with this house and the housing crunch, and it's been with me ever since. I became a landlord. It sounds like the makings of a book. I became a landlord. I'd read it. So when you're getting ready for a tenant, what are the things that you have to do, generally speaking? Right. Roy's list is probably longer than mine because well, he's no, good I, at so many things. <laughs> you know, I am very fussy as a landlord. I, I want the property right. I don't do this for my living. I mean, the house doesn't even fully cover all of its costs, honestly. I just want it right. I want the tenant to be happy in there to the extent that the house can make them happy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, happiness is their business, but... As far as the house is concerned, (laughs) you know, I want it to be right, clean, especially safe, well-painted, and mechanically good repair. In the case of this house, it took two years of part-time work. It was like a part-time job. Just about every weekend, all of the vacation time I could muster, everything else for two solid years. So, yeah, when people move out, there are dents and dings that need to be repaired, whole rooms needed to be repainted. And a lot of cleaning. Well, you should tell us what you used your magic cleaner for. Also, you should tell us how to make a magic cleaner. But yeah, I mean, I may be on thin ice here. And I'll try to, I'll try to. <laughs> this may be poisonous. Yeah, yeah, it may be, may be poisonous. Well, actually, most cleaners are somewhat poisonous. Don't eat your cleaners, just generally speaking. Not, <laughs> no, you don't not want good to drink. You. you don't want to put this stuff in a glass and drink it. But. but so what were you using it for, first of all? Well, I had so many different types of, there was grease over here and scuff marks on the wall over there and just general sort of greasy dust and grime. And they look like crayon marks and so forth, all different kinds of marks on the walls and here and there. You know, I was going from one cleaner to another. I said, well, you know what? I need something stronger than off-the-shelf cleaner. And that's how it all started. Oh, okay. And some of the walls had to just be clean. They weren't painted. Or I was going to clean them first and see how that held up. Mm-hmm. But others, you know, needed to be just cleaned before they were painted. You never want to paint it over a greasy film. Oh, instance. why? Well, that do just makes well, it. Yeah, it makes the paint despond. 
paint likes a nice, clean, well-scratched, dry surface. That's the foundation for good painting. Clean, scratched, like with sandpaper or something, uh-huh. you know, abraded and non-greasy. So that's key. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you also told me a story about you had prepared your home for this cleaning by using good paint. Yeah. And oh, it was yeah, a good actually, argument for buying expensive paint. Absolutely. One of the things, like the last step after all of the work was done on the house, the inside of that house was painted. I mean, really thoroughly painted. And I used top-notch quality. In this case, I used Benjamin Moore Complete Transparency. Benjamin Moore has been an advertiser with us. <laughs> I don't know if you have to be that transparent. Well, they're not currently, but... But they should be again. Well... <laughs> this podcast could be sponsored by Ben Moore. <laughs> there are several brands of paint that I can vouch for. Benjamin Moore is like at the top of the list. I, I'm a Benjamin Moore guy. Anyway, so I painted the entire inside of this house with Benjamin Moore, multiple coats, buried all the ugly old colors, everything else. The good news is that for the walls that really weren't wrecked, you know what? After they were clean, looked like brand new paint. After wow. it was clean. Yeah, very scuff resistant. So to your point, Peter, even if you're a homeowner, you're not a high roller landlord like I am, <laughs> a big shot, invest in good paint. Don't buy the $20 gallon stuff. Invest in good paint. It's cleanable. It looks great. And you'll be happy with it over the long haul. Does the finish matter? Because I know there's like flat paint doesn't clean as well as like a... That's an interesting thing. I mean, today's flat paints are formulated to be tougher and cleanable. They call it scrubbable in the paint industry. And so they do make cleanable flats for walls and ceilings. But you're correct, Jackie. Generally speaking, when you add gloss to paint, you increase the cleanability, like a varnish, essentially. Mm. It also looks worse, I think. Semi-gloss paint looks not like a home. Shinier paints have fallen out of fashion, and one of the reasons that they have is that they illuminate, actually, all the surface imperfections of the Uh. wall or trim. So there's only one way, if you really want it to look nice and you're using a gloss or glossier, let's put it that way, then the surface has to be perfect. Otherwise, it's going to illuminate every little scratch and flaw and absence of good workmanship. Ah. Is there any advice for just when you were saying that paint likes a dry, clean, scratched surface? If you are painting a rental apartment or something, Mm -hmm. do you need to prepare the old walls with anything? Well, there's a number of stock things. I mean, paint stores sell a product called TSP, which is trisonium phosphate. It's just essentially like a water softener and degreaser, slightly alkaline. Dissolve it in some warm water, and you just basically scrub over the walls, rinse with a clean rag and clean water, and let it air dry. So long as you don't like soak the walls, it air dries, and you're usually good with that. You don't need to rub some sandpaper on it the way you would if you were putting it a coat. It takes forever. (laughs) Actually, there is a drywall sanding pad on a pole that, if the wall is glossy, that you actually do need. They sell it for sanding drywall, and it's not. That's slow, actually. I mean, it's a big pad. Right. And some of them even are circular. They kind of spin. And you kind of just work over the wall surface and scrub it down. But then you've got all the dust. you got to remove that. But in any case, yeah, there are rare instances in which somebody has used a high-gloss paint. And you got to scuff the whole thing and then prime it after you're done. So, okay, you've kept us in some pretty serious suspense here. What is the magic cleaner made of? (laughs) All right, here's what I did. I mean, I like Dawn dish detergent. It's a very effective detergent. And actually just mixing that in some warm water is a pretty good cleaner in its own right. It works pretty well. You can clean a lot of stuff just with that. And clean those ducts that got covered in oil. 
Is that oh, Dawn? Such an effective advertising campaign. Yeah, they do. They actually use Dawn, yeah, to clean crude oil yeah. off of ducks. Yeah, it's very gentle. It'll clean your ducks. It'll clean your apartment. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works great. Now, I added some Windex to that. That's an ammoniated, as I understand it, a small amount of alcohol in it, and found that that's an extremely effective glass cleaner. More effective than just Windex. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have to actually at this point do some experiments and try it. I mean, and this is very rough and ready, by the way. A five-gallon bucket, squirt in some Dawn, pour in glug, 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 some Windex and the rest hot water. You get this nice warm So one squirt, mix. three glugs. <laughs> three <laughs> glugs. Yeah, that's about right, actually. Well, maybe four glugs. Anyway. <laughs> and the rest warm water. And you know what? It works pretty well. When I hear it's the crazy part. So that took off. Just about everything I needed to, but there were some areas and I said, okay, windows are open in here. I got plenty of ventilation. I put in another glug, glug, glug and half a glug or maybe a full fourth glug. I don't know. Three and a half to four glugs. Three and a half to four glugs of denatured alcohol right out of the can, right in there. Blug, now, blug, where blug. do you get denatured alcohol? Anywhere. Actually, that's <laughs> home centers, hardware stores, paint stores sell it. It says on the can, by the way, you can tell you've got the right stuff. It says stove fuel. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So your overall recipe is squirt of Dawn dish soap. Correct. Three to four glugs of Windex. Right. Three to four glugs of stove fuel. Yeah. And then the rest water and then in the five-gallon like bucket. Three, let's say three, four gallons of warm water. Okay. And man, it was a great cleaner. I mean, it really cleans, you know. Do you want to wear gloves with this? I'm guessing, yes. Well, you know what? I did Couldn't when hurt. the water... Yeah, right. It took the sleeve off. I guess it It didn't take my sleeve off. It took my skin off, actually. <laughs> took the hair off. My... I can confirm that Roy does still have hands. I can see them. <laughs> took the hair off my arm. <laughs> anyway. It worked. You know, at that stage, it took off anything that I put that cleaner to. Now, can I vouch for its safety? <laughs> Generally, I'll tell people. At the people, end, you tell us that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Generally, I mean, no, you don't want to fool around being like the mad chemist in your house, especially never, ever, ever mix bleach and ammonia, ammoniated products or straight ammonia and bleach-based products or bleach-containing products. And there are many of them out there. And so I'm not about to glug, 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 put some bleach in and now you've got a poisonous off-gassing substance. But... Ah, uh, you know, I mean, I did look at the MSDS for these products. Maybe a chemist will tell me that I'm wasting my time. All I can tell you is worked. it worked. It wasn't anything it couldn't clean, sped the cleanup of paint brushes and oh, the leftover nice. stuff. Ooh, that's the kind of thing I need is cleaning up paint yeah, brushes. Yeah, no, I really, yeah, believe me, this stuff does clean, so. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Definitely do not mix <laughs> bleach into that. Also, I didn't know that ammonia was in Windex because I was always like, I don't have to worry about mixing ammonia and bleach because I don't use ammonia. Who gets ammonia? Where would you even buy that? But yeah, now that I know that. Yeah, well, it's an ammoniated cleaner. And I think it contains a small amount of alcohol also. Okay. A lot of alcohol, I guess, in this cleaning concoction that I made. Again, do not do not drink it. <laughs> yeah, do not drink it. Or pour it on your plants. It's not a fertilizer. <laughs> Kevin, I hear you have some stuck bolts. I have some stuck bolts. I asked Kevin to come in here and talk about his stuck bolts, and I feel like the way to ask somebody that is with a Southern accent. I'm yeah. from the South, so I feel like I can say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did something really insensitive. <laughs> Why are your bolts stuck? What bolts are stuck? Okay. So this is a story. So I have a Jeep Wrangler, which I've probably talked about on here before because it's like my favorite possession. And I decided recently I want to get a roof rack. And 
Jeeps have a bunch of mounting points on the body that are like designed to be places where you can put stuff. And so they have exposed bolts. Like if you look at most cars, outside of them is smooth. But on a Jeep, right. there's a bunch of places where there's exposed bolts that you can take off to mount stuff there. So there's like eight bolts that I have to take off. And so my cars are 2005. Mm-hmm. They've never come off before. So they've got, what, 13 years of probably rust and just being stuck in one place. And like there's paint over them. Uh-huh. And it turns out they also have this stuff called Loctite, which I had to ask Roy about uh-huh. on the inside, which Wait, is like. Didn't they have a really cool Super Bowl ad a few years ago? Loctite? Loctite? I don't remember. I feel like he did. I don't know. Maybe I'll look it up. But it's basically like a glue that you paint on the threads of something for like a bolt. You really don't want to come out. So then when you screw it in, it sets. But uh-huh. then now you're, there's just like glue on the inside of these bolts. So they're really stuck. They're like really stuck. They're good and stuck on there. This segment is going to be like the thing where it's like Thomas Edison said, like, well, I learned 999 ways not to make an incandescent light bulb or something. Because uh-huh. I have just failed over and over. And the end of the story is I got two of the eight out myself. And the other six, I literally just yesterday had to take my car to a body shop and be really? like, guys, can you get these out? Wow. But I did learn lots of things that will work if they're not 13 years old with Loctite. Okay. So one of the things I learned from the mechanics is that anything that's old and really stuck, regardless, you're going to want to heat it up first. Ooh. So I actually tried to do this myself, which I'm sure my neighbors were really worried about what was happening on their street because I went and bought like a propane torch, just like a handheld torch <laughs> from the... We should point out that you live in Brooklyn. And it's street parking. Right. So it's like I'm always just doing this on the curb. So I like bought a propane torch. And basically what you want to do is you want to heat kind of right in the center of the bolt so that the shaft absorbs a lot of the heat too. So the uh-huh. whole thing is getting hot. And I think just basically what that does is like it can sort of break the corrosion loose because of thermal expansion. It causes the bolt shank and the head to expand and they expand at different rates. So they're like, anytime anything's really stuck, you want to heat it first. So you heat it. And what I heard was 30 seconds to maybe a minute, but a minute's like on the long end. Right. And then you go about trying to loosen it with whichever tool you're going to use, which I'll talk about next. The other thing I learned when I talked to Roy, and Roy, I think, had to look this up too, though, is that heat is also specifically for Loctite. Like if it's a bolt where you can't get to the Loctite, like if it's bolted through something, maybe you could like squeeze some oil in there. But for this, where it's just into the body, that also causes the Loctite to kind of get plastic again and loosen. Oh, smart. So that's the first thing I learned. Okay. But learning that was shortly followed by the second thing I learned, which was that if you use a power tool and your bolt's really stuck, you're just going to tear up the head of it really easily. Uh Uh-huh. And this is why a few of the bolts had to be taken out. Uh, Because you just sanded down the edges of it. Yeah, by accident. Yeah, and now you got little round bolts. Yeah. (laughs) So then the next thing I learned, also from talking to Roy, the other thing is that you want to use something to unscrew it that's like an impact driver that hammers also, because that Ah. can kind of knock things loose. So then Roy gave me an impact driver, but then I had the same problem, which was that I think it was just way too much torque, because then when I went to the body shop, they were like, hand tools only. So that was like the first great tip was like, heat everything first. The second great tip was hand hand tools tools only. only. Okay. So you want something that you can like slowly crank with and then you can get a feel for if it's going to break or if you're like really pushing it. Right. So then I went and I got a wrench that had an extendable handle so that you can adjust how much torque you're getting. Uh Uh-huh. And then I just broke the bit in half. Like (laughs) it was just stuck inside one of the bolts. So that was a few more bolts that I couldn't get out Uh that way. Uh Uh-huh. So at this point you've gotten out none of them. So using the heat, I was able to get two of them out. Okay, so that was the... Yeah, and the problem was that once I got those two out, then I got so confident Uh that I was like, oh, so the heat plus impact driver is great, and then I end up tearing up the heads of two more bolts. Uh Yeah, so everything is a problem. (laughs) Uh, So talking to Roy, he also told me about one more thing which I hadn't used before, which is PB Blaster, which is just a brand name, but basically it's called penetrating oil. 
So PB Blaster is designed to dissolve rust. I think we actually tested it maybe a year ago where you can use it as a spray, but you can also just get it as liquid in a jug and you can like pour it into a bucket and drop your rusted parts into the oh, bucket uh-huh. and you pull them out like it sometime later. They also make a spray version and it has a very precise nozzle. So you can spray it like around the edges of the fastener and it has wicking it through wicking action. It uh, absorbs into the like threads. Suck down, yeah. Yeah, so I got really excited about that, and then it didn't work. They were just, they were <laughs> just like, too this, stuck. I totally understand this. Like, any time you're working on some sort of home project, and you're like, this is going to be the thing. This is it. And then it isn't, and then you're like, oh. Yeah. Well, okay, so, now this is going to be the yeah. thing. When, like, the fourth thing failed, I came inside. It was on Saturday, and it was, like, a really beautiful day on Saturday. And I was just miserable, and I think I ruined my girlfriend's day, too. Oh, because no. I was just so upset. I was like, I've spent all this time and money getting all these new tools, and all I've done is made the situation worse because now they're all <laughs> stuck. But think of what all the stuff you learned. I did learn a lot. So Roy gave me like an electric impact driver, which was the only kind I was familiar with. But there's also a manual version, which is really cool, which has sort of the same mechanism, but it looks like a screwdriver, but it's got a really hefty handle. And you actually hammer it. And then when you hammer it, the cranking mechanism inside pushes and twists. Oh. So you can use that. I cannot that. imagine this, but that sounds really cool. Yeah. It's like a really heavy handle shaft with like a floating shaft inside it uh-huh. that allows it to kind of spring when you oh, hammer. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that. So that's kind of like the more delicate version of the electric impact driver. Uh-huh. And then what the body shop ended up doing, because I asked them, I actually went to two body shops because the first one was like, it's not worth it to me to do this job. Really? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> even like, kidding. Mm, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, but the final solution, which you could do at home if you had welding equipment, is that you weld a nut to the top of the fastener that's all screwed up. This is the case where you can't even get something in to engage with it to try and turn it. Uh-huh. You weld a nut to the top of it, and then that bond is strong enough that you can put something on the nut, a wrench and, of some kind or whatever, oh, and pry it loose. You really have to weld the heck out of that then. Yeah. So that's what they end up doing. Wow. How much does that cost? I don't want to say. I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> it was one of these things where I was like, this feels like such a ripoff getting charged this, but because I already got rejected by one and I've spent so much time and money, I understand they're kind of doing me a favor uh-huh. even though they're charging me a lot. I don't think there's a fast way to do it because I think what they did is they tried the things I tried first to see if on any of the bolts they could still get a bit inside uh-huh, or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, I think they sort of went through the same process I did just with better equipment and more experience. They wouldn't do stupid things that I had right. done. <laughs> But so I was kind of like, now this place is like my shop because even though it costs a lot, I think they really actually did they know, me well, a big good, favor. They know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And they were nice about it. And they didn't call me an idiot, which I'm sure they were <laughs> thinking like, well, if you hadn't screwed up all six that you didn't get out, it would be easier for us. Uh-huh. You know? But Hey, that's the way to get a customer right there. Don't call them an idiot. Yeah. But let, so let, I, them, let them learn themselves that they're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're stuck bolts. <laughs> that's awesome. I actually, while we were talking, I looked it up over here. The Loctite Super Bowl ad is a thing. Is it really? What, which ad was it? It was like people sitting on each other's laps. It was like a dance. I do not remember this at all. I guess it's for Loctite Super Glue, which they I make don't a, know They make the a same. lot of different things. It's the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look that up, listeners, because I remember it being funny. People were like, what is this? This is a Super Glue ad? <laughs> it was funny. It's time again for your favorite segment, Black Hat Facts. Black Hat Facts. So I wanted you to do this because I was writing a little thing for the magazine about how I accidentally ended up in Las Vegas during DEF CON, which is a big hacker conference. It's like the big hacker conference. <laughs> and I was there to see the Backstreet Boys, so I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's your prime target. I was, I was really uh, there to not hack anything. 
But I was there with a few friends for fun. And it was wild because everybody was acting like we were surrounded by like wizards. Mm. Like, what can they do? What are they doing? Are they doing yeah. a thing? Are they doing it right now? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's afraid to get on the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and everything. So would love to know what you have learned about black hats. Yeah. So for those who don't know, black hat hacking is like, actually, I didn't know this. It comes from old spaghetti westerns where like oh. the good guys wear white hats and the bad guys wear black hats. See also Westworld. You're yeah. an HBO aficionado. Indeed. Yeah. So black hat hackers are hackers who are hacking basically just for malice, for mischief, or for personal gain. So they're trying to break into systems. They either want to steal money straight up, hold things ransom, like the, I don't know if you remember, this was last May. It was like the WannaCry ransomware Ooh, thing. No, I don't know about that. I think we got some sort of email just from like our company being like, please stay calm and like don't open links from people you don't know, but it mostly targeted Windows systems. But it was uh -huh. a big deal. It was like worldwide. And I remember the NHS in the UK got hit very hard. And so like in the hospitals, the programs that they use to keep track of patients and things like blood refrigerators, like all these things were sort of being held hostage wow. by these hackers. This is before Bitcoin was like a huge, huge thing, but they were demanding payment. They were demanding Bitcoin. Bitcoin because uh, it's untraceable. Right. So they do that kind of thing. Last year, globally, people lost... $172 billion. That's so much money. To hacking and other cybercrime. So it's very yeah. so lucrative to be a black it hat. It can be very lucrative. Interestingly, white hat hacking can also be very lucrative. So that, as you can sort of tell by the color scheme, the white hat hackers are the good guys. And so sometimes tech companies will sort of invite people with these skills in to test their system for, they call it penetration testing. So you test the system for weaknesses. And basically it's sort of a bounty. Like if you find a weakness, you get paid depending on like how big that weakness was and like how risky it would have been to, to still have up. So that sounds fun. It seems yeah. like you should almost fake being a black hat and then be like, just kidding. Can you right, me? like, like me. convince me to come think, to the good side? I think people do that. They must I think do they that. do. And 2016, Google alone spent three million dollars, I think. Yeah. They paid over three million dollars to white hat hackers. Wow. Which if you think of it in terms of an investment, that totally makes sense. If the flip side of that is like having losing. your stuff held hostage yeah. and also losing credibility, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then there are also gray hat hackers, which oh. are a blend of good and bad. And I feel like you should call it a checker hat hacker. I mean, gray <laughs> is too blended for me. And the only thing I'm picturing is fedoras, which is really well, unfortunate. <laughs> I was picturing wizard hats, but that's better. I like that better, like <laughs> yeah. Gandalf the Gray. But yeah. they'll do sort of the same thing as white hat hackers, but they won't ask permission first. So a gray hat hacker might sort of get into someone's system and then be like, hey, you have a problem. Pay, Pay me some me money. money. Or I might so just tell the world that uh, you have a problem. So it's kind of like blackmail-y. A little bit. But and like obviously, really. you know, these people, I'm sure there are all sorts of different ways of hacking that I did not come across. Like blue hat hackers. Probably. Yeah. Beige hat hackers. <laughs> the most boring hackers. Very of all. boring. Very boring. Yeah. So those are the hats. I like it. Yeah. And that's been Black Hat Facts. Black Hat Facts. Ezra. Hey, Ezra. Hey. Hey, it's Jackie and Eleanor. How are you? I'm doing well. I see I missed your email because I just got my internet back just now. Like just now, just now? Yeah, well, like an hour ago. But wow. an hour ago after a week of not having it. So I've been checking my email like out of this truck that I'm driving that has Wi-Fi. Wait, the truck has Wi-Fi? Yeah, the new GMC Sierra. So I've been going out and sitting in the truck and logging on. Every now and then, checking my email, so not as frequently as normal. So for listeners who don't recognize Ezra Dyer's voice, this is our automotive editor, Ezra Dyer, who lives in North Carolina. 
and was recently in the middle of a hurricane. Where exactly is your house? Like, how far are you from where it really hit? Well, I'm about two hours from the coast, but the problem is that you still get rained on and there are a lot of trees, and so you lose your power. And fortunately, I'm not near any of the rivers, but this one is turning out the same as Matthew in that the coast was relatively okay mm-hmm. because that's more prepared for hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And then the inland areas are in trouble because all the rivers back up and get flooded. In this case, there was like 35 inches of rain. So the hurricane's kind of long gone. It's not like Weather Channel news anymore, but right. things are still flooding really badly here. Like, I mean, I-95 is still closed. Oh, really? Wow. wow. So, yeah, around where you live, did you get a lot of trees down? What happened? Yeah, around where I am, it was just tropical storm wind combined with lots of rain and tons of trees. So we lost our power at 7 a.m. on Friday and got it back a couple days ago. I think we had no power for four days. But, I mean, we woke up in the morning and heard transformers exploding. And it was just like, well, that's it. We're not going to have power for a while. Right. That's the kind of thing somebody's got to come out and fix. Yeah. Part of the reason I wanted to call you is we were having a meeting the other day. I think it was uh, your editor, Alex, said something about Ezra's using Wi-Fi out of his truck and living off of a generator and everything's crazy down there. And I was like, that sounds mountain manny. So talk to me about the generator. What did you do to deal with not having power? And what have you been doing the past few days? Well, a generator is one of those things that you always think about getting right when you need it, which is when everybody else is thinking about getting it too, so you can never get your hands on one. And then after you get your power back, you're like, yeah, I should get a generator, and then you don't. (laughs) So that's always been my course of action. But this time, there was enough warning with this thing that I was able to... I got on the horn with Honda and said, you make some fine generators. May I uh, purchase (laughs) one? But already, there were no generators around here. And they actually went and got a couple of generators out of their warehouse in Atlanta. And then I was driving a GMC Sierra last week that also came out of Atlanta. So they threw those in the truck and drove them up here. And uh, I had one and my sister-in-law had one. It was just a little Honda called the EU2200i. And it looks like an enlarged toaster, basically, or a small suitcase. And you think, this thing is going to power anything that I need? And actually, yes, it will run basically your whole house other than like a big AC unit. Wow. I thought they were much bigger than that. Me too. Well, most of them are. It's funny. Like, I have a neighbor who had a generator going, and he had this 7,000-watt emit in his backyard just making tons of noise, and he was doing the same thing with it that I was. He had extension cords <laughs> running in and powering lamps, refrigerator, TV. It's not like you can watch Netflix, but I stocked up on some DVDs. Oh, wow. Nice. And the other key purchase, I went to Best Buy and got the hard drive Super Nintendo that has... 72 games on it. Oh, smart. So the kids were introduced to Mario Brothers and Mario World and had plenty of time to play that because there wasn't a whole lot to do for a few days. That sounds like a really prepared hurricane. Like that actually sounds like a really fun hurricane. It, you know what? It's <laughs> there fun is for one. A few days. I mean, for Florida, we've had some fun hurricanes. Yeah, it's fun for a few days. It's like a snowstorm, you know, and then yeah. you're like, oh, this is novel. But then after like three or four days of it, you're like, okay, I'm ready to sort of get back to my normal routine here. Right. My only uh, nitpick on this generator, it was quiet. It was fuel efficient. It ran everything we needed to run, but it only holds like a gallon of gas, which would run it overnight pretty much. But I was still having refueling anxiety, like wake up at five in the morning, like, is the generator going to go off? Then our fans will go off and then it'll be hot. And- so I ended up doing some overnight refuelings a couple times. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But then after I wrote about it on the website, at least one astute reader 
tweeted at me that, oh, there's this external gas tank that you can get, and you can hot rod it, so it'll run for like three days on one fill-up. As the Honda person told me, it wouldn't be a Honda if people weren't modifying it. (laughs) But yes, the generator was a VIP item. Do you have to keep it up high? Like, I mean, if it's raining and what did you put it on or in or did you just like set it outside? I have a covered porch in the front of my house, so I had it outside. This is one of the things that the trick about generators is you usually need them when it's raining. Yeah. And you do not want to have, well, A, it's an engine sitting out there in the rain. And B, it's also high voltage. So you want to have it not out in the rain. But you also can't have it inside because it's an engine and people poison themselves with carbon monoxide every single time there's a storm. So I was super paranoid about the carbon monoxide issue. Even though I had it outside, I had the cords running through a window and then like a towel shut down on the cords. And then I ran another cord back through the window and plugged in a carbon monoxide detector because I had the fear put in me enough about that that even when I was going to bed, I'm like, oh, I'm sleepy. Wait a minute. Am I sleepy because I'm going to bed or am I sleepy because I'm getting poisoned? <laughs> yeah, carbon monoxide's a scary one. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, yeah, very smart to do that. Well, this sounds like a brilliant idea for future hurricanes. Watch your carbon monoxide. But uh, otherwise, do what everyone's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get, get a truck with Wi-Fi in it. Were your kids trying to get in there with you to get some internet? No, that was banned. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made up some kind of, yeah, yeah, it's got a little bit of internet, but not enough for what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Probably an easy way to control screen time. Yeah, but we're all pretty much back to normal now. You know, where I am is back to normal, but you go an hour south and things are still crazy and school is canceled indefinitely for those kids. And oh, wow. wow. So I'm going to head down there tomorrow in the Silverado that I'm driving now, and we're going to deliver a bunch of supplies on behalf of Bob Max to whoever I can find who needs them, which I'm sure is going to be everybody. That's awesome. What kind of supplies? I looked on the county website, and it's not like batteries and storm supplies. It's more like everyday stuff because they've got people in shelters. So it's yeah. clean underwear and toothbrushes mm-hmm. and bug spray and things like that. So I've got their shopping list. So I'm going to go to Walmart and blow it out in a little while and go do that tomorrow and see where I can go because it's just uh, every road is closed. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get oh, down there, yeah. things right. are so bad. I mean, I looked on the North Carolina DOT website, and it's just covered in these little yellow icons that mean the road is closed. And you click on it, it's like extreme flooding, road is closed, and bridge washed out. Yeah. So I'm not going to do anything crazy like that, but I'm going to take my way around and see who I can find uh, who might need some help. Do you remember from Matthew how long it took for things to get back to normal in those areas? I feel like it was at least a month before things were a semblance of normal mm-hmm. and like Lumberton was the hardest hit place. I mean, it takes a while even just for the water to go away. But even after that, I mean, they were still working on fixing things now when right. this happened. Right. Well, it's awesome that you're bringing them supplies and good luck, Godspeed, and please be safe yeah. as you're doing that. Oh, I will be. I'm a big web. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about throwing a kayak in the back of the truck, and then I was like, nah, there's probably, like, weird stuff in that water. Oh, I'm sure there is. All I heard about Houston was that there were snakes everywhere, so watch out for that. Oh, there's snakes, and there's the uh, lovely thought of hog farm Mm -hmm. excrement lagoons overflowing into the water. That's been happening, and then there's chemical plants and Superfund sites and a coal ash pit that exploded out into the water. Yeah, so I'm going to try to stay out of the water, but yeah. otherwise, do what I can. Wise choice, and very good of you. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Ezra. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, you too. Bye. 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 
For today's testing table, we're going to talk about something that is very near and dear to Alex George's heart, the Mac operating system. Oh, it's so dear to my heart. (laughs) It's new. So this is coming out later in the week. So it's not actually today if you're listening to it, but it's today in podcast land that Mac came out with a new operating system. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, they updated it. So So that means I'll update it sometime probably 10 months from now. (laughs) I thought this would be good to talk about because this will be me imploring you and whoever else And people like me. So both their phones and their desktops are going to update with new. So for iOS, for iPhones and iPads, it's iOS 12. And for computers, it's Mac OS called Mojave. Mojave. That sounds fancy. I know, right? Wait, why do they name the iOS and not the operating system? Didn't they used to name the operating system? Uh, The operating system is gone. Remember they had... For a while, it was all cats. Like yeah, it lion was. Lion and right. leopard yeah, and yeah, snow yeah. leopard and all that. Then they started going with specific locations like Yosemite and El Capitan. And the last one is Mojave now. Oh, I see. Sorry. The operating system is Mojave, but the iOS is just a number. Just give it 12.4. Why don't whatever. they call it the Mojave? It's the same, right? Why not? It would be more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. If they just started like, what if they did something really ridiculous, like categories of, I don't know. Like, be like unpronounceable weird... phytonuclei or something. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like biological weird, uh, weird Crayola colors or something. But That would be a good one, yeah. wouldn't it? When I was in graduate school, actually, they named... So you have these like big server farms kind of that are a whole bunch of different computers that hold all your data if you do stuff like MRI. And we had one that was all dead scientists. That was one of them. And then one of the other ones was all DJs. 1990s New York City DJs. (laughs) High low. Yeah. Uh That's pretty great. So apart from the name, what's cool about this thing? The couple of things I think will make a difference for pretty much everybody. We'll start with Mojave. So this is for Mac laptops and desktops too. Actually, something that was worth mentioning first, it seems like there were a couple of scandals where people were like, okay, Apple's making old phones slower, making their batteries less efficient to try and compel you to upgrade. It's generally not true. Phones are really complicated and all these devices are complicated, but in general, every update is bigger for security because they're addressing like malware, stuff like that, that might come through. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about black hats, so, and, oh, yeah. and white so, hats and gray hats, who, all, uh, colors of them. all the colors of hats, who find all the problems and openings and tell companies like Apple about it. Yeah. So white hats are helping Apple, all these different companies guard against these kinds of things. Right. But besides that, one major one, so... If you know anybody who has like a crazy messy desktop on their MacBook, you know, like people just kind of dump everything on. That stresses me out so much. Oh, it kills me. So this new feature is called Stacks. So what you do is you, when you turn on everything on your desktop gets organized into images, PDFs, folders or whatever. So you get like maybe five or six piles of things that you can just navigate through there. But it just takes everything from being just scattered everywhere. So it does that for you. Correct. Yeah. And do you choose to let it do that for you or does it just do that automatically? You can turn it off and you can tell if you want to organize by file type or last updated stuff that was updated today. How would you do that? Is it in like settings or something? Yeah. You go to the, you know, across when you're on the finder, like you're just looking at your desktop and it says all those things across the top. You'll find a tab for where you can check a box that says use stacks. Okay. Or organize into stacks. So that'll take care of that. The other small item too, which I think is kind of cool, which I hope happens more is the default desktop picture for it. Apple always does really killer like stock art for their backgrounds uh-huh. and wallpaper. The one for this is this like ridge in the Mojave Desert. As the day goes on, the, like sun changes position and like the oh. kind of shadows change. It looks like it's actually progressing out the day. It's complete novelty, but I think that stuff is kind of cool. That sounds fun. Does the light change? Yeah. So oh, it just so it looks good. like it channels it with the time of the day. Okay. Because that's good. We'll talk about this on a future podcast, but I'm doing a story about circadian rhythms. 
and how oh, important yeah. light is. It's very important. So some photographers suffered their circadian rhythm to get that shot. I think Probably just maybe. stayed up for days. Stayed up all, yeah, all day, twenty four hours. Speaking of that, actually, maybe of relevance to that too. There's a most famous one. New feature is called dark mode. So uh-huh. everything that was like bright silver or white will be kind of muted and more kind of stealthy looking. Is that uh, on the uh, desktop? It's always that way, or you choose that. You can turn on or off as you like. But at default, it will be on. Yeah, it's kind of the same way. Um, if you want to on YouTube, you can choose a dark mode, which makes it instead of black text on a white background, it'll be black text on a white background. Oh, but without like inverting all the colors, it just makes everything kind of quieter. And I don't know, I think it's more pleasant to I look at. I used to invert my colors, which you can do on your iPhone right. whenever I would look at it in the middle of the night. And it actually does keep you from waking up more fully. Definitely. Yeah. Not that you should look at, you're not supposed to look at your phone at all in the middle of the night, but should you do it, invert your colors. Yeah. So for the iPhone, the reason to upgrade for that one, one major one is Everybody's been complaining about how Apple's notifications, like if you're ever in a group text, you ever get like, there's a notification for every single person who chimed in. Yes. So what it does now Also, is, even what makes me crazy about that, it'll be like, such and so liked this. Such and so wrote, ha ha, right. for that. Such and so. And I'm just like, no, I don't care. And then you think you've got 10 text messages and you don't. It's just everyone liked somebody else's. It's stressful. Yeah, it is stressful. I avoid the group text. For this yeah, I've got a group reason. text that has like 26 people and it stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> this one does something like that stacks thing I mentioned where it'll, if it's all coming from one group text or one person, so if they send you like five messages in close succession, and when you open your phone to see your notifications, it'll just show, there'll be one little chunk that says like, this many new messages from this person. So oh, you can actually okay. look up and down and see all of them. The other one that I, I get asked this a lot, like why doesn't X work with this, work with Y? So Google Maps, so if you plugged in your phone to a car and used CarPlay, which is where, you know, it, it makes your car infotainment system look like an iPhone, basically. Yes, yeah. You would have to use Apple Maps because Apple wanted you to use their map program. Right, right. With the iOS 12, you can now use Google Maps and you can use, as of earlier today, Waze. You can use that on there, W-A-Z-E, oh, that app. Uh-huh. So you can use that on your car and it looks awesome. It makes it everything, the way you navigate around, put in you know, new commands, all that. It looks so much better. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool that they conceded and let you use uh, whichever one you actually want to use on there. Yeah, that sounds great. How is that related to the operating system? Because it seems like that should be the car. Right. CarPlay is quietly this pretty cool thing where if you've used a, gone into a modern car, even like really expensive ones too, it's a real pain to like navigate between, call it the navigation or change. They all have like these little round toggle buttons that right, yeah. you're like, just use a touch screen. I don't understand why car screens are always like three or four or 10 years behind Apple technology. Because uh, they generally design cars three to five years before they actually come ah, out. So they well, really are. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I had to, somebody had to explicitly tell me that. I was like, why is this so annoying to use? Yeah. But CarPlay is awesome. Like in Android Auto is, it's almost as good, but it makes it so much simpler. And the fact that you can just use more apps with it now, like Spotify, Apple Music, all that. So it's not it's actually awesome. built into the car. No, it's running off of your phone. That's ah, how it does that. Okay. To answer your original okay. question. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So is that all that we're getting with our, that and, and no more viruses? The other thing about the iPhone one is every person I talk to who's installed it on like an older iPhone, it's a noticeable, appreciable upgrade in how fast oh, it is. Yeah. Great. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on under the hood that would take a long time to get into, but I think that it's benefited every person I know who's installed it. Oh, I guess I better do that because oh, a yeah. very old iPhone. We normally end this segment by saying, would you buy it? But of course, you don't have to buy this and you have probably already done it. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so well, really, it's free. It's free. So would I do it? I'm actually going to go do it. I'm always the person that never, it's like three weeks later, it's like, will you please update your stupid operating <laughs> system? <laughs> your phone's just like, come on. It's like, come really, on. Really? <laughs> so I'm going to go do it. 
That's our show, y'all. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Bettina Warshaw and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks, projects, science, and technology, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.